No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. This week, we return to our study of the book of Joshua. We see how the Lord delivers all the nations of Canaan to Israel just as He promised. He is always faithful to those who trust in Him and obey His word. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Joshua chapter 11 on Simply the Bible. Joshua's strategy was to divide and conquer the promised land. He entered the central region of Canaan and destroyed those nations. Then he moved down south and attacked those nations. Finally, he moved up north. As we have mentioned previously, these nations were so wicked and posed such a threat to the continuity of Israel as a nation that God ordered them to be utterly destroyed, taking no captives and leaving no survivors. While this seems harsh to us, I like what H.A. Ironside says in his commentary on Joshua. I quote, God's love had given the Canaanites many years in which to repent. Had there been on their part any desire to be delivered from their manifold iniquities? Instead of that, they had sunk deeper and deeper into the pit of corruption and vileness until there was no remedy. The very mercy of God had but hardened them in their sins. So judgment had to be meted out according to their works. This emphasizes the fact that God is the moral governor of the universe. And he can use whomever he will as an instrument of his judgment. It also demonstrates his willingness to go to great lengths to protect his people who love him and are called according to his purpose. We pick it up in Joshua chapter 11. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazar, heard these things, that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, to the king of Shimron, to the king of Akshaph, and to the kings who were from the north in the mountains, in the plains south of Kinneroth, in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and the west, and the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite in the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon in the land of Mizpah. So they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Miram to fight against Israel. Jabin of the city of Hazor led the attack of all the remaining Canaanite nations against Israel. The names of these cities are unknown to us, really meaningless to us, but they were all places in northern Canaan. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that this coalition numbered 300,000 soldiers, 10,000 horsemen, and 20,000 chariots. In those days, chariots were like tanks. Therefore, this was a formidable army. Now, these things do have spiritual application for us, for we are in a spiritual battle. If you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation and are filled with his spirit, then you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness, and you can expect to encounter spiritual attack. 
you can expect opposition. This is spiritual warfare. And it is natural to be afraid over these things. Even as it was natural for Joshua and the children of Israel to be afraid, especially when they saw the enemy coming in such great hordes. And when we see the enemy coming in like a flood and seemingly better equipped than us. But the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merom, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook of Mizraphoth and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. The Lord told Joshua, do not be afraid. And it's interesting that Jesus gave this commandment more than any other. Why do you suppose that's the case? Because we humans are so prone to fear, especially as we see the enemy advancing against us. But the battle is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And if we are trusting in the Lord, then we can rest in his protection. The Lord will no more allow us to suffer harm than I would allow my seven-year-old grandson to suffer harm if a ravenous wolf was seeking to attack him. If we are the Lord's and loving him by keeping his commands, then we can rest that he will be our defense. And no weapon formed against us will prosper. That's the promise to us from Isaiah. Remember also the promise of 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We are not given the reason why God told them to hamstring the horses and burn the chariots. However, David wrote in Psalm 20, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. As a nation advances in military technology, there is a great temptation to trust in the technology rather than in the Lord. There is always a temptation to rely upon the arm of flesh rather than the power of the Spirit. By hamstringing the horses and burning the chariots, they would effectively eliminate this avenue of temptation and false hope. I believe that it is wise to eliminate avenues of temptation. If we are prone to foolish and reckless spending, then we should cut up the credit cards. If we are prone to wasting time watching television or movies or watching things we really shouldn't be watching, then unplug the TV or cancel the cable or online subscription. If internet-based pornography is a temptation, then get rid of the smartphone, computer, or Wi-Fi. Do you know that you can actually live without Wi-Fi? It is possible. You will even save money in the process. Now, it's far better to remember the name of our God and have him on our side fighting our battles for us 
than to turn to something or someone else that would separate us from God. Verse 10, Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazor and struck its king with a sword. For Hazor was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazor with fire. In Israel today, there is a tell where Hazor once stood, and it's covered with ash, giving evidence of this biblical account. Verse 12, So all the cities of those kings, and all their kings, Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword, he utterly destroyed them, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them, except Hazor only, which Joshua burned. And all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took as booty for themselves, but they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, and they left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua checked off every box. He was faithful in executing all that God commanded him to do. They utterly destroyed these cities so that these wicked people with their idols and their vile practices would not be a snare to God's nation of Israel. Thus, God protected his people from harm as well as giving to them the land of their inheritance. Verse 16, thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the low land, and the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, this long time that it took to defeat all of the nations of Canaan was actually seven years. We know that by figuring out the age of Caleb when they first came to Kadesh Barnea 40 years earlier and then how old he was when this was all completed. So seven years of conquest and they made no peace treaty except with the Gibeonites who had deceived them when they first came into the land and uh, making them believe that they were from a nation far away, and so they made a peace treaty with them. But other than that, they utterly destroyed all the peoples of Canaan as God had instructed them to do. Verse 21, And at that time Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, and from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities, None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. So Joshua 
defeated the Anakim, which were a race of giants who lived in the mountains. We will see also later that Caleb would also defeat many of the Anakim. But there were still Anakim remaining in the land of the Philistines. Of course, one of them, Goliath, we will hear about later in the story of David. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses, and Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. Now, this was just an overview of the seven years of conquest. We're going to see as we get into chapter 12 that God gives some of the details of that. And often this is the case in Scripture. We get an overview and then it goes back and fills in the details over that seven-year time. But one of the lessons that we learn from this is that God is very patient. He gives people an opportunity to respond to his grace and his truth. But if people do not respond to his grace and truth through repentance and faith, then there is nothing left but judgment. And when his judgment comes, it is very severe. We also learn that we are going to experience spiritual warfare as believers in Jesus Christ. We must remember the battle belongs to the Lord, and we must not let the enemy tempt us into getting involved in a battle that is our battle, but not the Lord's battle. Better to align ourselves with God, to trust in him with all of our hearts, and then to fight those battles he brings our way in the power and the grace and the wisdom that he gives us. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where the Holy Spirit gives us a record of the 31 kings that Israel defeated. Knowing that God keeps the record of our works for eternity should influence how we live. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Joshua on Simply the Bible.